Hello and welcome to Overdrive, where we embrace the glories of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we have news stories, including Toyota Corolla tops 50 million sales across the globe, and Hyundai Staria, people mover, makes it to Australia. We have Wendy Hammond from Navman to tell us some of the many features that can now be part of our motoring augmented reality. And Alan Service and I review the new Golf GTI Mark 8. Drivenmedia.com.au is the place to go for past programs and more information, or you can podcast the programs through Spotify or iTunes. And of course, there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City Driven Media. Okay, so let's get into the detail. First, the news. Toyota has sold its 50 millionth Corolla worldwide, making it by far the most popular car model ever. Purists will point out that while the brand name has remained the same, the cars have changed significantly, unlike the Model T Ford or the original Mini or VW Beetle. But the magnitude of the achievement should not be underestimated. First produced in November 1966, they have sold, on average, 2,500 cars a day, or one car every 35 seconds. Currently, it is one car every 28 seconds. The first model had a 1.1-litre engine and a four-speed manual gearbox. The latest 12th-generation model has a two-litre engine with CVT automatic gearboxes as the only option in Australia. Australians have bought more than 1.5 million Corollas locally. While not the cheapest in its class, the latest model is stacked full of safety and comfort features. Hyundai has launched its new people mover, the Staria, on the Australian market. This replaces the long-running IMAX, which was clearly derived from a van and was recently criticised for its low standard of safety performance. It is Hyundai's move to making people movers a desirable rather than a necessary vehicle. It does so with a one-curve silhouette space-age design with no standout grille or bumper. They say the interior is cruise ship-inspired with dual 10.25-inch screen displays, a satellite navigation multimedia system and a full digital virtual instrument cluster. There's also an all-wheel drive option which comes with a diesel engine clearly showing that they are taking on SUVs. The front-wheel drive version comes with a 200-kilowatt, 3.5-litre petrol engine and starts at $48,500 plus on-roads. The -the top-of-the-line Highlander all-wheel drive peaks out at $66,500 plus on-road costs. Southern Cross University has unveiled an ambitious vehicle prototype, a long-range vintage Volkswagen Combi converted to electric power. The vehicle will be used to travel between the university's three main campuses at the Gold Coast, Lismore and Coffs Harbour. It was a collaborative effort between the university, the New South Wales government, the students and lead contractor EV Machina. The project took 18 months, but now the combi is fully roadworthy. The batteries are split into two encased packs, one between the front seat and the other in the rear engine bay. Total capacity is 53 kilowatt hours. It has an 88 kilowatt electric motor, but with a custom-built aluminium adapter plate attached to the original transmission. This gives the vehicle a feature not found in other electric cars at the moment, namely a four-speed gearbox. 
Its range is about 200 kilometres on the highway and 250 plus kilometres in urban areas. Several weeks ago, we reported on a concept car from Nissan that was put on display at the Chicago Motor Show. It was a new design of their Z sports car. Now they have made a formal announcement that the car will be on the market in the second quarter of 2022 and will be called the 2023 Z. Compared to the 370Z it replaces, its 3-litre V6 twin-turbo engine has a 20% increase in power to 298 kilowatts and a 30% increase in torque to 475 newton metres. They claim an estimated 15% improvement in the 0-100 km an hour acceleration. The United States market will have a choice of a 6-speed manual or a new 9-speed automatic transmission. The smooth flowing lines will be interrupted by a rear spoiler on the Z performance grade. Nissan has not indicated a price for any of the variants. The Tesla Cybertruck, a utility that appears to have been designed with a protractor because of its flat panels and severe angles, was intended to be launched in late 2021. That date will not be achieved, and Tesla has said it will now be sometime in 2022. The company has been taking $100 US deposits for the ute and recently claimed to have over a million reservations, but the website now suggests that if you order, you will not have to pay a deposit till production nears. Cybertruck will be produced at the Gigafactory in Austin, Texas. In a typical Elon Musk marketing move, they have released pictures of a campervan variation, which looks to have a tall aluminium box rising out of the tray, When we put a picture on our Facebook site, many comments suggested it looked like an outside lavatory. The camper does have a large solar panel on the roof. And that has been the news. Navman started back in 1986, based in Australia and New Zealand, with a focus, as the name suggests, in providing navigation systems for cars and trucks. But like most or all things high-tech, more and more things are being developed. Visual reality is a purely imagined experience, but augmented reality is where you get some information to help you operate and make decisions in your current situation. Augmented reality is an enhanced version of the real physical world by adding visual elements, sound or other sensory stimuli provided by technology. And the new soon becomes part of the norm. There is now a more generic term, of course, dash cam, as people wish to record an incident or things of interest. These developments help us reflect on how we can use technology to the individual and community benefit. Wendy Hammond is Navman's General Manager, Australia and New Zealand. G'day, Wendy. Hi, David. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very well, thank you. The company also started Magellan GPS in 86, but you are now part of a Taiwanese group, MyTAC International. Is there still a strong Australian and New Zealand workforce? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we've got 20 in the team. So I've been with the business for 15 years. And so we, uh, yeah, we're a solid team, been, been operating out of Australia for 20 odd years now. It has evolved, hasn't it? Quite a lot of modern cars have navigation system. Have you noticed an impact in the market from that? Navigation systems in car built in is still representing about 30% of the market, which is quite oh. surprising to many. 
The, obviously, the mobile phone with navigation on it has had some impact, but I guess what we believe our, our navigation is is the best, and that's mainly because that's our business. So that's what our core functionality is. That's our core focus. So we'll be able to provide a lot more depth in information and safety features in our navigation than uh, you can see on a phone or in a car. One of the things on a phone, of course, is that if someone calls you, it immediately interrupts the directional advice Yes. when you might need it the most. Not to mention the fact that using a phone in your car and interacting with it is illegal. Actually, the interruption of a phone call can reflect a great frustration and communicating information isn't just is the information correct, but is it helpful and is it delivered in a helpful manner? That's right. And I guess your opening statement is very true. We try and blend visual cues not only into our map, but also into the audible uh, responses that the nav gives you. So things like turn right at the McDonald's into Smith Street is something that, you know, is passive, but it's easily recognisable. Have you noticed, though, there are new things coming into the market? We'll talk about how they cover various needs. Have you noticed the market responding and evolving to accepting broader technology in the car? Absolutely. I mean, at the moment, you know, we're doing very well with dash cameras. We're number one in that space. And that is something that's growing very quickly and getting more and more features. Every month we seem to be something new uh, on our roadmap which is very exciting. It's something that consumers are really adopting because dash camera is not only about taking footage of what's going on around you, but it's very much can save your insurance premium, for example, your excess for a very small, for a very small outlay. Is it also a case too where it might well help us from a transport planning point of view that we could clear an accident quicker because we've got enough information in front of us to make a decision? Not only that, but there are products coming out that have direct footage that can be accessed by, let's say, in the future emergency services, and they'd be able to determine whether what type of emergency service might be needed to go to the accident site or, you know, does a tow tack need to go, doesn't an ambulance, and that kind of expedites people getting help. Let's talk about some of the other things we can do. I understand the recording of the image is very, very important. But for a start, you can now get front and back cameras, can't you? That's that's right. So our cameras are full HD, front and rear, if it's the model. It's also Wi-Fi, so there's no need for connectivity to your computer to download footage when you know an incident may occur. Oh. You can download that straight to your phone and then from your phone send it to the appropriate person. Your insurance company, it could be your home address, so or it could even be the person that you've had the accident with. So there's no denying who was at fault. Ease of access, have you worked very hard on that, of getting the data, downloading the data? Yes, it has been a key focus. You've got some coming out and you've got a new system, I think, MI View 150 Safety is part of that. What sort of things are included in that package? It has a simple alert that will tell you if you're driving more, more than a few hours to make sure that you're you know, taking time to have a rest. But we're calling it safety because it has red, uh, red light and speed uh, camera warnings. So as you're driving along, it will tell you if you're travelling over speed for uh, an upcoming speed camera 
or the uh, potential red light is on the satellites that you're approaching. Parking mode, what does that do? Well, parking mode uh, with one of our accessories, which is a smart box, which connects the device directly to the battery. And if an impact occurs, it will wake up, record that impact. So it does mean that, say, for example, someone buck reverses into you or, or a garbage truck may bump into you, you've got that footage. After that's occurred, it holds it onto the device and then goes back to sleep. And the road trip takes on particular problems. You have a package for that? We've got lots of products to cover cover all of those scenarios. There's also the Uber driver that's on the road all the time, you know, with internal cabin footage that we can capture, similarly for truck drivers. Four-wheel driving, camping and getaway, there is something that you try to address in that area? Yeah, I mean, we've got a product that's called MyCam. Uh, there's three products in that range. There's a MyCam GPS, which is a five-inch product. The cool thing about these products are that they're actually a GPS and camera built into the one device. So we have the MyCam GPS that would be for, I guess, a regular passenger vehicle driving every day. And then we have MyCam Explore. This product is for large vehicles. So if you're towing a caravan, towing a boat, you might have a boat on the roof, uh, you can set the parameters in the device to make sure your guidance, because it has got uh, maps in there, your guidance is applicable to the size of your vehicle. It also has four-wheel drive maps. So, for example, there's a lot of us at the moment with SUVs. We're not going to be travelling overseas anytime soon. Mm. Motorbikes as well. What have you got for that? As you mentioned before, our head office is in Taiwan, who is a huge uh, use of, of motorbikes over there, if you've ever travelled in that region. And so we have a number of options for us, but one we've launched uh, is probably on the higher end. Um, it's the 760D. It is under the brand of Mio, but it's clearly associated with Navman. And this product is pretty cool. It's So it's recommended that you don't attach anything to the helmet. So our strategy is that these are very small, weatherproof cameras that are attached uh, to the front and rear of the motorbike, and we have it hardwired and attached to the battery of the bike. So there's no need to take anything off the bike to recharge. It's always being charged from the motorbike. So that's only recording the camera. That's not giving a picture for navigation or something. No, it's not navigation. It's purely a dash camera. Yeah. The other, I guess, combo device, which is alongside the uh, the MyCam Explore, is the MyCam Truck, and that's been developed for truck drivers. And so that map in, in that device uh, is very much um, for, um, you know, large vehicle um, and uh, hazardous uh, freight. Oh. Uh, so it's a more professional driver, and it also has the built-in camera. So it's front-facing um, recording. Hazardous means that if they're carrying a hazardous load, they can't go That's right. in tunnels or other. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it will also restrict them going into suburban areas. We'll give them warning of, you know, uh, particularly here in Sydney, I'm in the inner, inner west, and so there's lots of roads here that you're not allowed to travel down if you're in a truck. Uh, so it would navigate you around those. You are, of course, having a bit of a an, an offer in the new system leading up to Father's Day. That's right. So um, we've got it directly um, online um, and uh, you can go on to navman.com.au. Um, there's a bunch of different offers actually out there at the moment. 
Um, but the one on the 150 um, is is a great price at the moment. So what do I do? Do I I decide what might be my basic things and then option up to them, or or am I just picking one particular model that covers the things that I want it to cover? I think it kind of determines on what type of driving you do and what type of, um, uh, I guess, how long, how much you're on the road. You know, for example, we've got product there that might be for a, um, a person that's a P-plater, for example, you know, and that can't use their mobile phone, so a GPS is great for them. We might have someone that's driving quite a bit and just wants to protect their um, their um, premiums for a dash camera, and that might just be an entry model like the Safety 150, which has all of the red light speed cameras, um, you know, an under $200 product. Mm. Um, and then we have, you know, things that are more for people that might be in traffic all the time that where a rear camera might be, impo- might be important. What's a rear camera? How much would that add to it? So around $279 is a dual camera. And there's other products there, you know, that might be more, uh, might be better for, you know, someone that might have a ute that we have an extended eight-metre cable. Uh, So it kind of just depends, you know, what your requirements are and how much you're on the road. But I guess at the end of the day, um, we kind of have something for everyone and at all different price points. So we have something that starts at kind of $179 that gives you GPS tracking, gives you safety features uh, and gives you uh, clear um, uh, footage. And I think that's the other really important thing is that our products have got glass lenses. Um, We don't uh, put cheap uh, plastic lenses that in Australia can warp and craze and then uh, be bad, uh, produce bad footage. Our products are also tested because you think about the heats that become in, can be in a cabin in Australian summer and ours are tested, you know, to well exceeding that heat. And so they're not going to uh, melt or, uh, you know, warp. So I think that's a really important point too, to, to purchase a product that's been tested for the Australian market, which all of our products have been. Look, that's fantastic. Now, can we give a couple away? We can. What can we give away? Have we got a, a, you were saying, I think you've offered a couple. Yeah, I think the Safety 150 would be a really good product to kind of start with your readers, uh, your, I guess, listeners, not readers. Um, uh, I guess because it's such a, a you know, can, can suit anyone really. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Wendy, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. And that was Wendy Hammond, who is the NAVMAN's General Manager for Australia and New Zealand. And we'll have more information on that giveaway at the end of the program. This is Overdrive across Australia. Hyundai Santa Fe has always been a great seven-seat family SUV and the latest release has added upgraded style, technology and safety features as well as drivetrain improvements. Top of the range is the Highlander, which we drove last week. It's priced from about $65,200 plus the usual costs for the diesel version. Powered by an excellent 2.2-litre four-cylinder diesel engine, produces 148 kilowatts and 440 newton metres with an eight-speed dual-clutch transmission and the familiar all-wheel drive system. This has more than enough power for most situations. The torque comes in nice and low for relaxed and economical driving. 
The Highlander is exceptionally easy and comfortable to drive. In fact, it seems to cocoon the occupants in a limousine-like existence, being very quiet inside and smooth ride and handling. Long drives with the family are a breeze. It's packed with safety and comfort features such as 20-inch alloy wheels, Nappa interior leather, heated and ventilated front and heated outer back seats, panoramic glass sunroof, head-up display, LED exterior lighting and much more. As a family SUV, the Highlander has a lot going for it. It will fit five in comfort, seven at a pinch. I'm Rob Fraser. You're listening to Overdrive. Well, it was back in 1974 that the first Golf came onto the market. And they have, of course, then built a Golf GTI, a little hot hatch. Well, we're up to Mark 8 version of that. And Alan Zervis from Gay Carboys has been giving us his opinion as well and has been testing the car. G'day, Alan. David, how are you? I'm very well. The new version, is it significant from the old one, or the last version? Well, I think it, it looks a little bit like the Mark 7.5, and I think that's actually a good thing. Uh, I, I think they needed not to fiddle with that formula too much. But, of course, as you say, it goes back 40 years. Tell us a little bit about the new one a much nicer, sleeker outside. I think the headlights look sensational. They're flatter, but also they've got some new technology in them, some new LED technology. The cabin, though, you get into it and it just feels quality. But it's highlighted by the new infotainment system along with that revised driver LCD screen. Which means that there's not nearly as many buttons there. I remember a Holden Astra convertible or something had 42 buttons in it that you had to uh, make sense of, understand the symbols of. Modern technology has allowed us to streamline that. Is that the case with the Golf GTI? You're quite right about that, Astra. It got to the point of absolute lunacy. All of those things now have been subsumed by menus. So much of that is accessible by voice control. So you just say, hey, Volkswagen, and the Volkswagen acts like a concierge, and it'll turn the temperature up and change radio channels and so forth. Did it work clearly, easily? Well, it works easier than it has in the past. So can I say that? I'll take that as a no in some cases. I found it was very good, but not perfect. The voice actuated control, they're very clever that they have separate microphones for the driver and the passenger. So I said, without identifying where I was sitting, that I felt a little hot. And it came back to me and said, driver's side will lower the temperature soon. It dropped at a degree and away it went. The only thing is, I did also say, there's a smell. Just that, there's a smell. And it immediately assumed that the smell was outside the car. And so it turned it to recycling. I did try saying my son has farted, which is an interior problem, but it didn't seem to cope with that at all well. Well, one of the things that it can do, of course, is purge the cabin air. But I think it does that before we get into the car. But there's a lot of other things, David, that it does that uh, have brought the car kind of forward into an almost semi-autonomous driving mode. And that's not quite so obvious to the average punter. And that is they've grouped, probably for marketing, these several technologies into a thing they call IQ Drive. And that's the smart cruise control and the smart lane control, plus the AEB, so the autonomous emergency braking will detect vehicles even at an intersection, 
and the IQ drive will stop you from wandering outside the lane, but it'll also detect cars in front of you. It'll detect traffic signs and so forth. It detects the lanes as whether they're broken or not, but it wasn't always perfect. Again, I'm not condemning it. I'm saying that we probably need to evolve that technology a bit further, but this is at least indicating that we're heading in the right direction. What about the power? I mean, we're talking GTI here. Have we got enough performance? It's 180-odd kilowatts, which is plenty for a hot hatch. Remember, there's the Golf R coming, and that'll slide in over the top of that with more power and all-wheel drive. So, yes, I would say that uh, with 180 kilowatts and 370 newton metres, I would say that's plenty, although initially I was disappointed. Well, it's plenty through the front wheels. I look forward to driving the R. I didn't drive this GTI. I don't think either of us did in the wet. But in the dry, I have a standard test. It's at a set of signals. You stop and turn left, and it's a very uphill left corner. The traction control certainly came in and helped it around there as well. But the thing that I liked about the Golf is with those drive modes, you could drive it every day and drive it in comfort mode, and it feels like uh, one of the more luxury cars. The ride is just superb. One of the comments that was left on our video review of this was that one of the chaps said that he wanted, how did he put it? He wanted beef or he wanted gusto or guts or something along those lines, not elegance, because we'd said it was an elegant car with an elegant drive. Hmm. And I said, well, I think that depends on your point of view and who you are and how old you are and whether or not your bones hurt. Just finally, what's it worth? Uh, it starts at 53100 Of course, you'd then have to add the on-roads on that. But there are a couple of packages you can get, which I think add a few things that most drivers are going to really fancy. First of all, there's the sound and vision package, and that adds really cool things like the heads-up display, which you and I love so much. It also puts the Harman Kardon 480-watt sound system in it with a 12-channel amplifier, and four sound settings. That's $1,500. Then you get the luxury package, David, and that gives you Vienna leather seats. They're heated and ventilated at the front, and the driver gets power operation as well. A heated steering wheel, very handy for those snowy regions down south, and a panoramic electric glass sunroof. That's a princely 3800 bucks. Now, I could probably do without the glass sunroof. The design on the outside, particularly at the back, recalls to me that that little squareness a bit, not boxy, boring, but angular bit that we remember from early Volkswagen Golf GTIs. Well, that Mark I had that really, really square look about it. And still to this day, I think that's very attractive. Alan, lovely to talk to you. Thank you for your time. As always, David, my pleasure. And that's Alan Service from Gay Carboys, and we were talking about the Golf GTI Mark 8. You're listening to Overdrive. Nissan recently revised its Navara model range, and with the new Pro 4X as the top model until the Warrior is released. Navara has always been a good four-wheel drive ute, and with the move towards premium models in the segment, 
The Pro 4X looks to capitalise on this with enhanced styling. Features include Yokohama Geolander all-terrain tyres, black is the flavour, with sports bar, fender flares, roof rails, alloy wheels, door mirrors, side steps, grille and door handles, all in black, and leather accented Pro 4X seats. Bizarrely, the lower spec STX has the option of electric heated seats, which isn't available on the top model. It's powered by a 2.3 litre twin turbo diesel engine, produces 140 kilowatts and 450 Nm from as low as 1500 revs. Drives all four wheels through a part-time four-wheel drive system and there's an optional seven-speed automatic transmission. It'll tow 3500 kilos and has a payload of a bit over a tonne. Nissan Pro 4X is priced from $60,630 plus the usual costs. It's a little pricey without some of the premium features like heated seats. Navara comes with a five-year unlimited kilometre warranty. You're listening to Overdrive. And if you want to be in the draw to get one of those navmans, why not send us an email to feedback at drivenmedia.com.au or you can access that through our website, drivenmedia.com.au and just give a paragraph or two on a situation you were in where you would have benefited by having a navman, be it for recording what happened or being able to get more information that would have helped you cope with the situation as it arose. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Wendy Hammond, Alan Zervis, Rob Fraser and Paul Just for their help with this program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City Driven Media. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>